Welcome to Canine Nation. It's Sunday, May 26th, 2019. This is episode 138. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the podcast. This is Eric Brad. Many years ago, before my wife and I discovered modern training techniques like mark and reward training and training based on behavioral science, raising a puppy was something of an ordeal for us. It seemed we never knew what a new dog was going to do when we brought them into our home. Certainly, there were all the standard things. Dogs chew on things. You have to do house training. But it seemed that every puppy had its own brand of chaos when we brought them into our home. But that all changed for us in 2004 when we raised our first puppy using the concepts of behavioral science and mark and reward training. At first, my wife and I were amazed by all of the things you could teach a young puppy using reinforcement-based training. But as our young dog grew into an adult, we discovered something interesting. Apparently, this kind of training can do more than just teach your dog basic manners and a few tricks. It seems to shape their attitude about life, living, and relationships. Now that we've raised several dogs using this kind of training and this kind of approach, I thought it might be useful to write down some of the lessons we've learned and some of the lessons we've managed to teach our dogs. This is my essay, Adventures in Puppyhood, Teaching a Dog Life Lessons. Can dogs learn something other than behaviors and tricks? I think that definitely they can. What if we can shape their outlook on life in the world? You might be surprised at how important a role we play in our dog's view of life and their world. Our dogs come into our lives as young puppies, usually less than 12 weeks old. They come to us with copious amounts of love and energy and joy. It's our responsibility to teach this new dog about life, life with us, life with others, and life in the bigger world outside. There was a time, not so long ago for my wife and me, when a new puppy meant preparations and regulations and guarding against the anarchy and chaos that bringing a new dog home can cause. But that all changed for us in 2004 when we raised our first puppy using behavioral science and mark and reward training. Learning the technology of mark and reward training has changed the way we interact with our dogs. At first, it was a fun and highly effective way to teach our dogs to give us the behaviors that we wanted from them. But we quickly discovered that using science-based training to work with our dogs can change both the trainer and the dog in some pretty important and beneficial ways. One of the first things that we learned in mark and reward training was that it creates a basic contract between the trainer and the dog. When your dog hears the marker signal, they did something right. They earned a reward. Every time, no exceptions. It's the basic contract that mark and reward training depends on. Our dogs learn to trust that signal. The marker means you earned a reward. That means that it's up to us as trainers to use that marker properly 
to teach the behaviors we're looking for. But from the dog's perspective, there should never be any confusion about what that marker means. It means he's done something right and he's earned a reward. Once our dogs learn to trust that marker as a signal of a reward coming, learning can begin. We leave it up to our dogs to explore the different things that can get the marker signal, and of course the reward that comes with it. The first steps happen almost accidentally. We always begin by marking and rewarding the simplest of behaviors. For example, our puppy touching our hands with their nose, or making eye contact with us. It's easy enough to hold our hand close enough so that the puppy can hit it easily, even by accident, or to catch an inquisitive glance from the dog. You can almost see the reaction in a puppy's eyes when you start this kind of training with them at eight weeks old. It's as if they're thinking, hang on a minute, if I touch my nose to that thing, then they make that sound and I get a reward. Woohoo! It only takes three or four tries and a young puppy will begin stretching out on their own to try and poke the hand with their nose. After a few minutes, they're walking a few steps over to a hand to give a poke. With lots of success, our puppy gets bolder and we can position our hand to get even more interesting behaviors. We can position it to get our puppy to run under our legs to poke a hand, or hold the hand over their head to get them to hop up and poke it while it's over their head. And every time there is a marker, the reward is there for their efforts. Fairly quickly, understanding dawns and the contract is established. The puppy works out that they control the marker by what they do, offering behaviors. A new world opens up for the dog to explore. What else could make that marker happen? Once our dogs learn to trust that idea, the only limit is our ability to mark the behaviors we want to teach our dogs. That's how we begin our big adventure in learning with our dogs. It begins with a marker that our dogs can trust. A necessary part of mark and reward training is a gradual fading out of the use of the marker and the delivery of the rewards every time you get a behavior. You also have to put a name on the behavior. We used to call those commands, but now we call them cues. They aren't really a demand for a behavior, they're more like a request. And that's an important difference. It may seem like a small semantic difference, but I think this is important. When I look at my dog and say, sit, what I'm really saying is, hey buddy, here's a chance for you to earn a reward if you put your butt on the floor. That's a cue. That's very different from saying sit and meaning if you don't put your butt on the floor, you're going to regret it. To me, that's what a command seems to sound like. A cue is a choice, but a command really isn't. A cue is a request. A command is an imperative. That subtle change of intention in asking for behavior instead of demanding it changes the nature of the relationship that I have with my dog. Another way that we use cues with our dogs came from Karen Pryor's article on cues as information. Instead of a cue simply being a request for behavior, cues can also be used to convey information about the situation or to offer our dogs a choice. Here's an example. One of the first things I teach my dogs is an informational cue, let's go in. 
Every time I want to move my dog into a new room in the house, I would say, "Let's go in." As young puppies, they naturally follow me wherever I go. So the puppy comes to associate that verbal cue, "Let's go in," with getting up from where we are and following me into the next room. Before long, I add an arm gesture to this cue to indicate the direction of the room that we're heading for. Now, with a simple wave of my hand and "Let's go in," my puppy will race ahead of me into our kitchen, the basement, the bedroom, or wherever I indicate. We've done similar things with "Let's go out" for being let out in the backyard and "Hop up" for getting up on surfaces like beds or grooming tables. We also use "In your home" for getting our dogs to go into their crates. Now. All of this may sound like nothing but work for our poor puppies. With so much to learn, it might seem like all we do with our young dogs is work on teaching them the next new thing. But it isn't really like that. With positive reinforcement, training is one of our dogs' favorite activities. Every lesson and every behavior offered brings something good for the dog—a food treat, a game of tug, or something else they like or enjoy. That's how reinforcement works. You reward the behaviors that you want. We typically set aside time for structured training sessions with our dogs to work on specific behaviors, but we also keep our eyes open for training opportunities during our daily life. Someone coming to the door is an opportunity to teach a young dog how we want him to greet company when they come over. A bark out the window. Is a chance for us to redirect their attention to show them just how much of an alert is enough, so that the barking can stop. All of this work brings us a lot more benefit than just raising a puppy to be a dog with good manners and a lot of interesting tricks. Using mark and reward training and behavioral science teaches our dogs some other very important lessons about life. We call them life skills. And there are four skills that we find particularly important. The first is creativity. Because we encourage our puppies to try things without fear of being punished for doing it wrong, they discover that trying out different things or even inventing new responses will frequently result in a reward. Only rarely are they interrupted for doing something unwanted. This leads to a willingness to give it a try. And why not? It just might pay off, and nothing bad is going to happen. The second lesson is persistence. We keep our dog's success rate pretty high in training. We try to ask for behaviors we are reasonably sure they can pick up on easily, and when we work on more complex versions of behaviors, we do so in small, achievable increments. That way, every training session offers lots of great rewards. And even if something is difficult or takes a while to learn, they are always rewarded for trying. Our dogs count on the fact that if they keep on trying, it will pay off. The third lesson is focus. Training happens a lot in our puppy's life, and it can happen any time an opportunity arises to teach them. Since training always involves rewards and good stuff like treats or play. Our dogs learn to focus on us when we're around, and not as much on everything else. If we want their attention, we get it. Our dogs know to pay attention to mom and dad because there might be something good just around the corner.
And finally, our dogs learn to engage with the world. We work on a lot of different behaviors in a lot of different places. It's important for us to try out even well-known behaviors in new places or when there are new distractions. New environments might even provide new and unique training opportunities. For example, you can only get used to fast-moving cars when you're next to a busy street, and that doesn't happen often. If you asked our dogs, they might tell you that they've learned something important. Stay sharp. You never know what might get you a chance to earn a reward. So pay attention and check stuff out. In our home, training our dogs is not just about getting them to behave, or to have good manners, or to comply with our wishes. It's about giving our dogs a healthy outlook on life and living with us. They should be able to count on us for more than food, water, and shelter. Our dogs also count on us for clear communication, help when they are confused or frightened, and the security of knowing that their world will be consistent. Yes will be yes, no will be no, and so on. There is no greater gift we can give to a dog, in my opinion, than to provide a home that shows them what's expected and rewards them for making an effort to learn. How comforting it must be for them to know what to expect and to be given every opportunity to discover how to succeed and thrive in their everyday life. We've raised several dogs this way. They've turned out to be very sociable dogs for the most part. We work with them on games to make sure that they are not scared of loud noises or strange places. We work with them to tolerate being handled for grooming and to prepare them for those inevitable vet visits. But most importantly, they can face the world head-on with confidence and a wagging tail, knowing that we are right there with them every step of the way. If you enjoy these podcasts, why not drop by our website at caninenation.ca and you'll find dozens more to listen to. While you're at it, perhaps click on the donate button and offer us a dollar or five or whatever you'd like to give to help support the podcast and help us keep the lights on. Or you can support the podcast by spreading the word on social media or leaving us a review on iTunes. I'd love to hear feedback from you about the podcast. If you have any comments, stories, or questions, you can email me at talk2 at caninenation.ca. That's talk and the number two at caninenation.ca. I look forward to your comments. Canine Nation is also on Facebook. You can find our Canine Nation page where we post information about the latest articles, podcasts, and news about Canine Nation events. We also have a discussion group, the Canine Nation Forum. It's a place to discuss the podcast, the Canine Nation essays, life with dogs, and training our dogs or just to share some information we found around the Internet. Thank you for listening. I'd appreciate it if you'd share this with the dog people in your life. I guess that's all for now. Until next time, have fun with your dogs.